You're listening to the Viral Molly Podcast Podcast. Now here's your host, Rob, on the mic. All right, good day, everyone. I'm Rob Estro for the Viral Volley Podcast, and it is truly a great honor to have that face on the screen. You don't know who that is? <laughs> you haven't been following collegiate volleyball. It's a Mark Pavlik of Penn State. We call him Pav. All those who are near and dear to him, so pretty much the world calls him Pav. Um, you know, doing my research on him. Thanks for, for being on the show, first of all. Um, Love to hang out with you. We just got to do it more. Oh, for sure. Well, now I got the, the personal digits. You know, I'm going to be yes, pretty much cyber stalking you. So, but how about this? Your 2021 season, you're about to go into another NCAA championship week. But this season, 21 3 overall, 16 3 in conference, you're in a four match winning streak. But this is what, what blows me away the career numbers here. Are you ready? <laughs> 605 and 209 for a 76% career winning percentage. You've got two national championships under your name, 94 as an assistant, 2008 as the big winner, which great honor because I was on the mic at UC Irvine's Brennan Center for that one when a little guy by the name of Luke Murray, the hope for us 5'9", five, 5'10 five, guys, got 10 blocks, awesome day, runner up four times. You have 31 NCAA tournament appearances, now 32 with next week coming. 31 conference regular season champions, now 32 with the win this last weekend. Eight-time EIVA Coach of the Year and 2008 ABCA Coach of the Year. That's quite the resume, resume Pav. It just means I'm old, Rob. That's <laughs> we've, managed, we've managed to recruit guys who have picked their parents wisely. And, you know, and that led to those 600 or so wins. And it's amazing that it, I've only screwed up 209 times with that. That's how good they've been. Well, of those 209, three of them came in this year, but I mean, it's an abnormal year. And we were talking about before going online, you know, it's going to be an abnormal season with the pandemic limiting training and the way matches are going to have to be played. I mean, you had three losses, Ohio State early on January 3rd, NJIT on Valentine's Day, because probably you're thinking about your wife, and then George Mason, because he wanted Jay to have some kind of his self-esteem. You know, for the most part, it's been a powerful, been a powerful season for you. Yeah, we, we know Jay has self-esteem issues. You got to feed it once in a while there. Um, <laughs> it, it, it has been a, a truly a season where, again, I tip my hat to our guys and, and everything that we've asked our student athletes to do. Uh, and, and really not just here, but across the board for men's volleyball and, and collegiately for all of the student athletes. But, to do what they've done under these circumstances, uh, they're just a special group of guys. And uh, it, it, it has been a fun season to see them take the horns of, of their team and say, here's what we want to be like and, and keep working at it. So, yeah. uh, and, you know, I, I also got to tip my hat to the EIVA this year. There, there were not any easy matches. And, that's the exciting thing. I think our league is growing. We've got some great young coaches that are trying to do the right things for their program. They're out there busting their butt to recruit kids that come in that are physical kids that can play the game. It's just a great group of coaches to work with and to compete against. 
you know, to get through with, with only two losses in league, uh, I'll, I'll take that in. Yeah. Well, considering that, that this is a pandemic season, post pandemic season, um, you know, I think men's volleyball as a whole was successful operating through this time, but EIVA particularly, and correct me if I'm wrong, only two programs are really effective, sacred, uh, affected by COVID is Sacred Heart and UC towards the end of the year. I mean, to me, that's a successful go. You guys agreed to pay each other, play each other four times each. And I think they only had to miss two, each team had to miss two uh, matches. Yeah, there were, there were uh, I think there were only two teams that missed four matches, we, but everybody missed two. We, mm-hmm. Our two against St. Francis were, were COVID canceled. Um, UC had, had the COVID issues for two weekends. Sacred Heart had two separate weekends of cancellations. New Jersey Tech was in on one of those and, and, mm-hmm. and Jay was in on one of those. So um, I just think that, that coming through this year with with us playing that many matches, uh, it was great for our student athletes. Uh, yeah. it, it certainly feels like a full season to us. Oh, yeah, well, 20 some plus matches, you gotta celebrate that for sure. Agreed. <laughs> when some maybe only paid, played a total of 12 or 13. So Right, right. <laughs> and, and didn't get into the gym to train until like February, correct? Yep, like uh, Long Beach State and Cal State Northridge because of yeah. state tournaments. So, yeah, so it's a successful season by all means. And, you know, uh, we're, we're coming out of the weekend where conference tournament completed and automatic bid for Penn State, as well as getting the regular season title. And you look at the information, like, first conference crown since 2017, the regularity of Penn State winning, like a two-year absence is a big absence for your program. That speaks uh, volumes about you and what you've done for Penn State. Uh, I just think that that's, you know, the runs of, uh, of people or teams constantly dominating. Uh, you just have so much more parity out there across the board, not just within conferences, but across the board. And, uh, it, it, it's good to see. Uh, I think that even for us, uh, I remember 10 years ago sitting in an in EIVA meeting saying, look, dominating, dominant teams shift every year. It doesn't matter who they are. They're, you know, it's going to happen here. As much as I'm going to try to make sure it doesn't happen, it's going to happen. And, right. and I think the, the natural evolution of, of leagues and uh, overall the national the natural evolution of nat- national play just keeps getting better and better. And that's what we, we would love to see happen. So uh, I, think, I think we're seeing that. And I'm, I'm glad the EIVA is moving in that direction too. Yeah. Um, well, this last weekend, uh, you're off to Cal Fisher. I, mean, I love the quote from your, your website. Turned in a heroic individual performance with a career best 27 kills while hitting 440 on 50 attempts and ended up being the EIVA tournament MVP. And he's been a, a pretty solid performer for you all year. Can you comment on, on Fisher as a player? Uh, he comes from a, a great volleyball family. His sister played professionally. Mom played for Eastern Kentucky. And I just recently found out that uh, I think she still holds Eastern Kentucky's uh, record for aces. <laughs> so I just want to see if there's any video of her jump serving, you know, the, and that she passed along to her son. Um, Fish is just, he, he's going to be home on any surface. I think he'd make a great beach player. Uh, all, 
quick twitch. He, he kind of reminds me and, and, and those that go back with me to the Aussie Antonetti type of player. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Aussie was so... Head coach, BYU legend, uh, a yeah. lefty at only, they list him at 6'1", but on a good hair day, he's 6'1". With an arm that was so quick that, you know, was faster than a hummingbird wing. And uh, he just... Fish is the closest guy, at least in my career, that I've seen come to the level that Aussie was at. And uh, just a just a great athlete, an even better person. Um, you know, it was interesting because two years ago, the last time we had an EIBA championship was uh, his freshman year. <laughs> and uh, we went into that EIBA final um, against Princeton. And... Cole Bogner was setting, set the entire match. Brett Wadman was opposite as a freshman and had a, at that point a career high for him against Princeton. And Will Bantle, our libero, had dislocated his elbow about three weeks earlier. Fish was our libero at that time. Wow. Uh, we've had Fish play outside. We've had Fish play opposite, obviously. We've had him play libero. And believe it or not, we've actually had him set in practice because he, he set some in high school. Uh, this, is a, this is a guy that uh, I think can do it all. Um, I think he's, he's still trying to figure out what it is that he can do. Mm-hmm. And I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, he's enabled us to, to run a pretty fast overhead offense. And, and I think he's helped Bogner develop his skills uh, with with running an offense and it, it's just so much fun to watch these guys play I, I, I know I sound like a broken record but I truly truly enjoyed this team and, and they're more like fish than across the board with our team they're more like him uh, yeah. than him being the uh, the standalone yeah I mentioned earlier you got the uh, first uh, the uh, regular season title uh, for the EIBA then you got the uh, EIBA tournament title winning a 3-1 but how does it feel handing it to your former apprentice Jay Hasek? Well, Jay's done a wonderful job at, at George Mason you know and I yeah. I just felt that after this EIBA championship match conclusion of the match I've been fortunate enough to be around both as as a coach as a Penn State men's volleyball alum and player, and just as a fan, this was a throwback that any one of our separate alumni groups, the Mason alumni group, the Penn State alumni group, could sit there and say, oh yeah, that, that's what it should be like. The EIVA championship between the Patriots and the Nittany Lions, the amount of effort that was expended, both teams left everything on the court that night, and it, it was it was history being revisited. I mean, it brought memories back of Gaspar and Chase and, wow. and those guys playing. It just that's the way I felt. And Jay's done such a great job with that program. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna represent the EIDA well in years to come, and they're gonna we're gonna have some titanic battles with them. Yeah. Well, just so our listeners and viewers know, Jay Hasek was a former assistant to Coach Pab at Penn State for a number of years and, you know, only spoke highly of you in that time there. So there's no doubt he's going to move up to a head coach program, but it's just a natural progression of things, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. So there's nothing but love for everyone across the board. <laughs> why, why waste your time with anything else but, you know? I don't know how you had such a controversial personality on your staff, though. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to listen to everybody. <laughs> well, let me ask you about the, uh, the current team. We talked a little bit in the uh, volleyballmag.com interview, but um, for those that didn't get to follow the team as closely this year due to you know different time zones and following their teams, but tell us about the current Nittany Lion team, being that they are going to be playing yet another uh, NCAA championship. Yeah, I think this might be one of the uh, smaller statured teams I've ever had, uh, but it might be the most athletic team I've ever had. Mm-hmm. They, they're pretty quick. Um, they, like I said before, they've committed themselves to just being the best team they can be from, from number one to number 20 on the roster. Uh, we've gotten some some great work from guys on the second team that uh, I think everybody that is is vying for a championship absolutely positively needs, uh, and and those guys are kind of the unsung heroes of the of the year. The guys that that push the Brett Wadmans, that push the Cal Fishers, that push the Will Bantles, that you know give us the opportunity to play at a high level and, and enable me to give those guys a break. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I just think that we we try to go fast to the pins. We we try to make sure that we win the pass and serve battle. I think we serve pretty well, or we have the capability of serving pretty well. Then mm-hmm. um, you know I think that uh, if we if we serve the way we're capable of serving, um, we make teams have to play volleyball at a high level for a long time. And, We'll, uh, we'll have that tested this coming week. Yeah. Some of the best in the country are out there. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think that Brett and Fish and, uh, you know, our freshman, Michal Kobal from, uh, from Poland, and Mike Valenzi before he sprained his ankle, they just seamlessly fit in and just rounded out the team even better. And we got yeah. Sam Marsh and Canyon Tooman, uh, the two returning middles from last year that, have now been through enough to say I've been there, I've done that, I've seen that movie before. Uh, it's just a, a team that really you can't tell what the score is by looking at them. They, yeah. They're just such a steady personality. Uh, yeah. they, they truly enjoy playing on the court with each other. It's weird hearing you describe your team as a smaller stacking team when you have names like Max Holt, Max Lipsitz, Matt Anderson, Matt Proper coming from a program such as yours. I'm like, oh, you know, it's uh, you've always had so much physical size in in, uh, in the recent history. Yeah, and it, it just you know, it just seems that's the way the game has gone anymore, right? The, the game is has certainly increased in speed. Um, you don't have nearly as much time to move in between ball contacts anymore, and uh, you need some mobile people that can that can make a first contact here and get there for a third contact. You need, you need some pretty mobile people to go get a second contact and still stay in system with the ball and still deliver the ball in rhythm, in tempo, no matter where it's passed to. It just seems like there's there's more of a, for, for lack of a better description, more of a video game aspect to our game right now. Uh, yeah. and, and even at the higher levels, you know everybody's looking for the six, eight outside hitter that can move, you know, 
for us, Aaron Russell's the unicorn. <laughs> but boy, you you watch you watch some of the the international play right now, and you see some great examples of athleticism and, and movement skills, and and guys that that are six six, six eight, six nine, doing those things. And you know, to have uh, to have everybody that you mentioned before as as our alums come through. Uh, oh my, it, it's just I've been blessed to be around such great people and. Like I said, guys who have picked their parents pretty wisely. <laughs> well, let's move on to more current times. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, yesterday was the NCAA selection show for the uh, Division One Two Men's Volleyball Tournament, and uh, Penn State received the number six seed and will be playing in the play-in match against Conference Carolina's tournament champion Belmont Abbey, who will be playing their first ever NCAA tournament. What are your thoughts on this upcoming matchup? Uh, oh, for first off, congrats to Belmont Abbey and, and Noel and Albrecht. It, it, it just, you know, to get into a national championship in any sport in any division, it, it says something about your team and, and the players certainly uh, deserve that recognition. So uh, hats off. And uh, I know we're going to be ready for a fight uh, with them come Monday night. Um, I would not have wanted to be the selection committee this year. There was very, very few crossover events that you could, that could help actually gauge where people were at. And I, I know the people on the committee and they're great people and they want the best for men's volleyball. And there's no hint of me being upset with, with the way seating is gone. Uh, they, they've done their best. Hey, we're here. After a year of not having it, we're here. And that, that's, that's the beauty of this thing. You know, we're one of seven. We get a shot. We never had a shot last year. So, yeah. hey, just get us there. I, I applaud the efforts of the NCAA, the NCAA Selection Committee. Uh, I, to get us to this point in this pandemic era, at least our guys are feeling like they, like I said earlier, we're in a season and they have a championship opportunity and there's no way I'm going to draw a mustache on that Mona Lisa. Yeah. Well, you know, like you're saying, there's limited data to go on. There's no cross conference play and it's going to be challenging, but this is the first year that we had some active D one, two coaches that sat on the panel, went from three on the committee to five. So we know that they had a tough decision this year. Yeah. Um, so you know, the fact that we're able to have a tournament championship and like you're saying, I, I'm celebrating that regardless yeah. of what the seedings are. It, yeah, and anybody that doesn't celebrate that, this is, I think, missing the whole point of collegiate athletics. Do we want to win? Certainly. But when you look at what we've gone through and, and how we've gotten to where we are and the efforts that everybody has put in, uh, I certainly don't want to denigrate those efforts by, by complaining about a seeding. You know, mm -hmm. it's... It's useless. It's, it's not worth my time doing it. Let's just get everybody together, celebrate the best this game has to offer this year and, and just make sure that we're, we're now rolling toward 2022 and uh, some return to normalcy yeah. and growth with the men's game. Yeah, it still continues to grow even in this pandemic uh, time. So, I mean, going into the pandemic, we saw 25% participation growth uh, at the, uh, according to the uh, National High School 
Association. And so, I mean, nothing but great things are happening in the sport of volleyball and the men's side, particularly. Yes. We're seeing yes. the SIAC forum. We're seeing more D12 programs come about. You know, it's just unfortunate that the Stanford situation, which now I'm going off script. I mean, what are your thoughts on the Stanford situation? They, uh, they met today about potentially an open door opportunity to keep the 11 sports, but I mean, it's such a storied program. This yeah, it's, it's one of the more unfortunate events that have come up through my career. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there are legitimate reasons that were given. I think like anything else, when, yeah. when those decisions are arrived at, they're arrived at in a room with people that are fairly like-minded and I think that right now the perspective from outside moving in uh, is, is being looked at and being heard. And there are always ways to keep opportunities. And I'm, I'm hoping and praying that those opportunities are, are, are there for all 11 sports at Stanford, but certainly for, uh, for John and, and Kenny and, and their group, it, it would be, I don't wanna lose Stanford there's they mean so much to the men's volleyball world and uh, you know anything that uh, can be done and, and i'm so glad that there's there appears to be an open door right now uh, that yeah. people can step through so let's well, just keep pushing for it yep in our call right now i, I happened to see the, the tweet last night that that committee was meeting and the, i don't know if a decision is going to be made today but it to me was this an open door for for potentially saving that program so hoping it yes for sure <laughs> Um, let's, let's go back to the tournament that's going to be happening next week. And, you know, I, we were joking earlier, I mean, you, with your history in the game and your experience and the high level of accomplishment, you know, you would know the most about the teams going into this, this upcoming week. Um, but we're going to call it Pav's Ponderings because there's nothing but the, the wisdom of a sage on the screen right there. So the other teams that are going to be uh, in the tournament, want to find out your thoughts on them without, you know, letting cat out of the bag how you'd approach playing them, of course. So. <laughs> I, I would I would order pizzas and have them pick up like about 15 minutes in the game time. <laughs> yeah. um, well, it's you know, first. Yeah, and this year where we really never had to have to worry about out of conference play, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on those guys. We had we spent enough time trying to play our teams four times. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, from what I've seen with Pep, I think. David Hunt's done a, a, a great job with them. Uh, I think they are moving into that type of play that we talked about where we need some athleticism to get between the, the speed of contacts. I think Owen Wickens has done an unbelievable job in being very effective for them. Uh, I think their middles have done a nice job. Um, you know, the, the tradition that the Waves have, I got to figure every time you walk into the gym in Fitzgerald, uh, the ghosts of the past are there and, and they know that they're playing for something bigger than themselves. And I think anytime you can get somebody, a team to buy into that, it makes them even more dangerous. So um, they're, they're no, they're not foreign to big matches. And uh, I think they'll, it'll be interesting to see where they wind up at. Well, I, I accidentally skipped the number seven seed Belmont Abbey because they were playing you, but, but let's talk about Belmont Abbey. Yeah. And since, the selection show yesterday and, and everything. I've 
you know, right now, Colin and Ryan are, are busy breaking them down. I haven't had a chance to, to dive into them yet. But like I said, Nolan is uh, that has done a nice job. Anytime you play in a league, you know, and I got to believe anytime you're in a league where the footprint is fairly condensed and, and you can be, you get to see each other when you're that close to each other. Uh, it makes it tough to, I think, to win consistently and put together a, uh, an effort throughout a year that, that everybody's doing that. So there's, there's in some essence, parity in, in the Conference Carolinas. But I think you come out of that league, you're doing something right. And history shows that um, those teams that have come out of the Conference Carolinas since they've had the automatic bid, uh, it's, they have battled in their matches, uh, whether it's the, the old play-in, whether it was, you know, the first time they were in. Uh, I just, you don't sleep on those teams because I think they come in with a little bit of a, we're an underdog. Everybody expects us to roll over and, you know, we're kind of like the little brother. And if, if we take that approach with them, if we don't expect them to come out and play tougher than we've had a team play us yet, um, it's going to be a long night for us. Yeah. Well, let's jump down to the see you're the six. We did Pepperdine at the uh, five. That brings us to number four, Lewis, Dan Friend and his squad. Oh, I, you know, we've seen them every year except this year. And, uh, you know, with Tyler in the middle, that's a big boy. And then you got Conan out on the, on the left side. And it, it's just been, a, you know, when you play them, you're going to feel like punching back at times. They're going to come at you and come at you and come at you with so much physicality that uh, if you don't, if you start to not believe in your physicality, uh, you're going to hand them points. This is not a team that you can be safe with uh, and, and just give them an opportunity to tee off. This is a team you've got to go toe to toe with. And, um, you know, they're, they're somebody who in my mind resembles that, you know, I think, I don't know if you're a big Marvel fan right here, but that, that scene in uh, Captain America where Steve Rogers is in the, in the alley getting beat up and he says, I can do this all day. Yep. Yeah, Lewis, Lewis is one of those teams that I think they believe they can do it all day too. And that makes it dangerous for anybody playing them. Yep. And yes, I am a Marvel fan. So I knew exactly what you were talking about. The original Avenger. Yep. <laughs> all right, let's go to Rick McLaughlin's number three seated UC Santa Barbara Gauchos. Uh, I think Rick is, you know, we played them last year in a, in a terrific five-game match at Ohio State. We were up 2-0. We couldn't close them out. But at that point, it was like uh, Casey McGarry and group said, all right, let's, let's focus here. Let's control the ball the way we know how. And, uh, it, was, uh, it was a great match for us. Uh, I'd like to think that the group we have now, uh, if we can play the same way that Rick's teams play, I'd be very, very happy with that. You, you know you're going to get a group. I don't even want to call them scrappy because they're, they're too good defensively just to kind of say they're scrappy. They, right. are, they are as airtight with their defense as, as any team that I've seen. And again, if you're not physical with them, and even if you are, that doesn't necessarily guarantee better success. But if you if you just take a little bit off and stay in rallies, um, they're going to make you pay for it. 
Yeah. You know, I really like the job Casey's done with his offense. Um, you know, the least back on the right side is, is a monster that if, if you don't take care of early, he's just going to carve you up all day. And, uh, and Rick has got an answer for seemingly everything. So um, maybe the best way to get them is to see if we can get Rick out of the gym early. <laughs> get rid of the, uh, the brains of the trust. Huh? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, let's jump to the number two seed. That'd be Sean Olmstead's BYU Cougars. Ah, well, the image I have of uh, the first time we played Gabby Fernandez was him giving Luke Braswell at that time a concussion. And, uh, you know, Gabby is, has done everything in his, uh, you know, certainly this year uh, to show that, you know, he's coming at you, you know, that you're not going to leave him alone and he still gets to be pretty successful. Yeah. Um, and then you, you got Johnny on the other side. It just, that's a team that is as physical a team as I've seen in a long, long time. I think they do a great job. Uh, in, yeah. The Italian outside hitter of Davide. Uh, yeah. You stop Gabby. How do you stop Davide? Cause you've got your resources to try to stop Gabby. <laughs> and then you got, you got Stanley who is making better and better decisions. You know, we talked earlier about the development of Cole Bogner. I think there's a development of Will Stanley in there too, that he's, uh, he's developing into a very, very good setter, understanding the weapons he has and, and the effect um, that sometimes the perception of a threat can make another threat that much better. And uh, I think Will's done a real nice job with, with his team this year. So you know, that that's a team again much like Lewis you go in you're going to have to absorb some body blows and you've got to be pretty good at giving out your own yeah and finally number one seed Charlie Wade's Hawaii Rainbow Warriors yeah boy Charlie always has his team playing so hard for so long in matches and you know they they too appear to enjoy playing with each other and you know Gasman's a space eater in the middle there you just <laughs> You know, there's not, he doesn't, he's not a point on the net. He's the whole freaking net at times. Uh, <laughs> I like what Patrick has done. I like how he's, he's really developed in, in his career. Uh, Rado behind him. You know, there's another guy that you, know, you can't, you can't go to sleep on. And mm -hmm. it, it's just a team that I think um, plays hard. They, they love representing not only the University of Hawaii, but the whole Aloha Nation. And from where I sit, I think they do a great job of, uh, of bringing the, the island of Hawaii uh, with them, no matter where they go. And uh, I love playing Charlie's teams. They're, they're just so much fun to play, and, uh, to compete against. And you know you're going to get their best every time uh, you get out there. And uh, hopefully if, if we get to the point where we can play Charlie, uh, I, I'll look forward to it. And, and we'll see what we can do against uh, against them and the entirety of the 50th state out there. Yeah, that's that's one of the teams I wouldn't want to play in the tournament right now, especially with that upset loss to San Diego, because you know that woke the sweeping beast. So yes. <laughs> that volcano is no longer dormant. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, I skipped your team, but I wanted to end on your team because uh, I wanted to talk about, ask you about, your team's mentality or mindset about going into this NCAA tournament. And that's including you and your staff, as well as all the, uh, the athletes. Yeah, I think we're looking at it as, Hey, just the natural extension of the season. 
you know, I don't think you start addressing this part of the season right now. I think it's it's addressed back in September. It's at least I found that you don't you want to prepare your guys, especially this group, because none of them have been there before. Mm -hmm. And we start talking about it in September, October, November. Hey, here's what's going to happen. You know, we just got to be at our best at that time. And, and, and you're going to you're going to have things happen to you. And you know, the one thing about an NCAA event is there's some rigidity uh, with the, the logistics and protocol that don't exist in other matches during the year. And, mm -hmm. and when you, you look at the makeup of men's volleyball, we're a pretty laid back, flexible type of group that. Oh, you want to do this? Sure, let's do this. Can we take five minutes here? Yeah, let's do that. Can he? He's not. Yeah, let's just play. And I, I think when you get into an NCAA event, it's much more rigid. Hey, you touch those balls, that clock started. Uh, you got to practice here. You can't practice then. You can't switch times now. This is what you got to do. And and I think the teams that react and respond to, all right, tell us what we got to do. We just want to play are the ones that I think come out uh, a little bit better and right. we just we try to go with let our guys know that hey, you don't have to do anything more uh, it's believe in your strengths uh, understand what uh, what you've done to get you to this point and let's just keep trying to do that and you're you're gonna have teams on the other side that that through their season they approach the game the same way and um, they're pretty good and you're not going to get easy points. So how hard can we make uh, the game for them to play against us? And mm -hmm. Can we not give them uh, not just necessarily easy points, but can we, can we not give them points at critical times of the match? And, you know, it's, it's always interesting to see how, how they respond to that. But uh, mm -hmm. looking so looking forward to seeing how this team does and, and how they enjoy being together on this stage. Yep. Well, uh, Coach Pat, it's been an absolute honor and privilege to have you on the Viral Volley podcast and to see you and your guys playing in the NCAA Division uh, 1-2 Championship Tournament uh, March, uh, March, May 3rd coming up and uh, looking forward to see what the rest of the tournament has for you, Pat. Well, thank you so much, Rob. We got to do this more often. Oh, I'm going to have you on more often. Believe me, <laughs> volleyball doesn't even have to be the topic. We got to talk about the MCU and where it's going to go in Phase Five here, buddy. <laughs> I'm all down with that. Hopefully, you're catching uh, Falcon Winter Soldier right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sam Marsh and I are keeping each other up to date on that one. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Pav, and we will talk soon. All right. Take care, Rob. Hey y'all, thanks for listening to today's episode of the Viral Volley Podcast Podcast. Be sure to follow Rob at Rob on the Mic on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or at RobOnTheMic.com. Check you next time.